0: Hey, everybody. Chris here. In the U.S., we celebrate our Independence Day on the 4th of July. And I think many Americans would associate the word freedom with that holiday. But we understand that words can take on a different meaning for different folks with different experiences. So throughout this month, we're showcasing some of our favorite episodes from the Plugtone Audio Collective, along with new reflections from the podcast hosts about how their episode relates to this idea of freedom.
1: All right, let's get into it. What up y'all, it's your boy Devin Dabney, host of the American Climbing Project. And I have an episode that I wanna share with you all on this channel, but I wanted to take a couple minutes to talk about this idea of freedom and why we chose this episode to fit that theme. You know, if I'm being honest, As a black American man, it's really difficult for me to wrestle with this idea of freedom in the context of the country I'm from. You know, America has always prided itself as being the, quote, land of the free. But in reality, it was built upon the idea of taking away the freedom of my ancestors and taking away the land of the people who were here first. And it still continues to uphold a lot of those traditions today. And I think that climbing is just an extension of that idea. While climbing doesn't necessarily take freedoms away from people, the development of it in America happened at a time where not everybody had free and unlimited access to the outdoors. And so when we talk about climbing gyms in the context of America and American history, it's really important to take note of why climbing gym audiences and demographics look the way they do. And that no, it isn't as easy as just walking into a climbing gym and feeling safe and feeling like you belong and feeling like you have the means to participate in this sport. So when we chose this episode, it's not necessarily about freedom in the sense of taking it or losing it, but just that not everybody has the freedoms that it seems are ubiquitous. You know, not everyone can just walk into a climbing gym. Not everyone has that feeling of oh I feel like I can come here and you know that may be true whether or not there's someone literally keeping them from the gym and so that's why this episode felt really salient and important to me to share and I hope that you guys enjoy it and you know I hope that this helps develop a conversation around what it means to have freedom to enjoy the outdoors and that It isn't just about rules and laws and things being quote unquote legal. Uh, There needs to be a larger conversation that happens within the community and more intentional development around making the place feel like a free and fun place for everyone. So, thank you all. Hope you enjoy it. Later. Like, I'm not here to convince anybody of anything. Like all I'm doing, especially with this podcast, like all I'm doing is I'm putting my opinion out there in the form of a comedy sketch. And then I'm putting out the climbing community's voice out in the form of interviewing, you know, dozens of different rock climbers and and seeing what people think. And then that should hopefully start a dialogue where, you know, people might disagree with the entire uh, library of the podcast. Um and I want those people to reach out to me and I want to talk to them, you know, like I don't want this to be, you know, even though I I clearly have an opinion on this, I don't want that to be what drives the content. Like I want I just want to put my opinion out first and, and hopefully have other people reach out, you know? Yeah,
0: well, for sure. And I, I think your opinion is very valued. So yeah, I speak for everybody. We look forward to hearing it.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, do you have anything else before I play this last one for you? No, let's do it. Uh, this last one I'm really proud of. I just I just finished it like a few hours ago, so you are like literally the first person that's going to hear this. Ooh, I'm excited. Welcome to Snowflake Rock, where our routes are marked with tape because we don't see color. We're excited <laughs> to have you here with us today. But before you start climbing, there's a few things we need to go over first. Don't worry, here at Snowflake, our goal is to ensure that nothing is stopping you from enjoying this amazing sport. Climbing should be accessible to everyone, and that's why we're dedicated to making sure getting started is as easy as saying on Belay Partner. All you need, dear customer, is comfortable athletic clothing and a great smile. Oh, and you might want to bring a partner, just in case you want to show them the ropes. You'll also need just a few pieces of gear to get started. This includes a harness, climbing shoes, expendable income, chalk, a 1994 Subaru Outback, libertarian undertones, a $300 jacket that looks like you fucking hate it, a rugged individualistic attitude of climbing as a meritocracy that's based upon your position of privilege in society and a (laughs) gree-gree snowflake rock is located in a developing urban neighborhood but don't worry there's a starbucks speaking of bucks our staff are the best bang for your buck literally we pay them next to nothing and pass the savings on to you and us and us and speaking of savings thanks to our urban location our prices are outrageously low day passes are only a hundred dollars totally affordable right we thought so too snowflake rock proving time and time again that rock climbing is the great equalizer (laughs) oh my goodness that is I wouldn't,
0: if you told me that was a skit, I wouldn't have been able to tell you that that (laughs) wasn't true at the next Seattle or Portland rock climbing gym.
1: Wait, you've heard that before at a climbing gym? That's terrible. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) One,
2: two, three, get it! People think $25 a day is a reasonable price to climb at a gym. And it's like, why are you doing this? And they're like, well, because we're the only climbing gym in X area. We can. Nobody else can out-compete us. It really always is. It's always in some neighborhood that's being gentrified. And then you never, for the most part, you hardly have anyone from the neighborhood going. And I think it's it's a really hard thing to combat because you can say, hey, we'll like make this cheaper. We'll have a night where like finally just black people climb together, but they have to want to go. They have to know that it's actually gonna be welcoming. It's more than just saying, oh, if these black people come, it's going to just be a $10 day pass. It's no, you need to reach out to the communities and form a bond with them.
3: The more marketable you can make your product to the vast population is how you then make your money.
2: They know where they make money. They're for profit facilities. They're, they're not like trying to foster a sense of community, they're trying to like make money and put out like championship climbers. On top of everything, everything else, it becomes not just a a race issue, but a class issue. And it's like, let's rebuild them and actually consider underrepresented communities when we start them in the first place.
1: What up, y'all? Black by Popular Demand. This is the American Climbing Project. I am your host, Devin Dabney. And today I want to say thank you for your patience while we get these episodes right. As you can probably tell, it takes a lot of time to put this shit together. And honestly, we weren't expecting such a warm welcome. Uh, Today's main guest is Michael Manuel, Mike for short. Mike is one of my favorite climbers to talk to. He's hilarious, he's very thoughtful, and as an Asian man, he's had enough similar experiences to me that I can relate, but different enough experiences that we can learn from each other. And speaking of different experiences, today's topic is one of the most commonly cited concepts in the climbing community. The idea that rock climbing is the great equalizer, a true meritocracy, a sport that doesn't discriminate, that anybody can just go do. Wait a minute, Devin. You're not finna challenge that idea, are you? Why, yes.
2: I still want that gas, yes. And you had better deliver, deliver, deliver.
0: I think hundred bucks is too low. I think that that gym's like,
1: yeah, that's a, it's a good point. I mean, but they are in an urban area, so that's why their prices are so low. Like it's ridiculously low or, or outrageously low. That's what they say. Um, yeah, uh, it, it is too low. I mean, they'll they'll jack the prices up. I'm sure, but yeah, I I I love that because we already have kind of been talking about access, and I think that once again people don't realize how hard it is and all those little tiny barriers or big barriers that add up just to even get to the damn gym, much less the like cultural barriers, you know? Yeah.
0: I mean, let alone if someone took you to a climbing gym, okay, like, hey, I want to take you climbing. All right, so I take you climbing and I get rid of all of some of the upfront stuff. When you get mm-hmm. there and it's like, You just look around, and everyone's wearing North Face, Patagonia, and for some reason everyone has super bright colors, and everyone's wearing Gore-Tex. I don't know why we need Gore-Tex. We're inside, but I don't know. It's it's like, why am I here? This isn't me. And then, where'd y'all get the beer? (laughs) What tap house is that, bro? Yeah.
3: It's expensive to come in. You walk through the doors, and if you're a person of color, you might be... The only person, or maybe only a couple.
1: You have to grow up in a situation where people have introduced you to those things
0: and give you access to those things in order to be able to relate to it at all.
3: And you're doing something. If you're, especially if you're new, you've never done before, right? And then you add
1: kind of like it's it is a dangerous sport. And then on top of that, if you come in and it's like, oh well, we're not going to teach beginners because you know there's already too many of you. Then like you know, well even
2: for... Imagine not just like a black person, but a black woman. Because even as a white woman, I've been in the gym and I've looked around and I've been like, wow, I am the only woman in the gym at this time. It makes me frustrated because it makes me feel very bad for new climbers. Just like any kind of, just to make it feel like you want us there, right? Like, <laughs> um, cause it doesn't feel that way.
3: Like you would have to fall in love with it to kind of like overcome that and just say, no, I'm going to do this. You ever heard of the Seattle freeze?
0: No, what is that? Seattle freeze is like this weird term that I had come to understand, and it means, I guess, when you when people move to Seattle, like for, at, for like a tech job or something, Seattleites hmm. tend to not talk to each other and not be that warm with each other. So it's hmm. hard to meet people. It's hard to meet new people. It's like, oh, I'm I'm new to the city. I don't have a lot of friends. Like, oh, that's the Seattle freeze, and I don't hmm. know why it's called that way. But I was the reason I bring that up is I was in a a di committee, right? And I was talking about coming off of a trail and coming into like a parking lot for a trail and just, you know, these groups of of white folks sitting around drinking beers, everyone's got a plaid shirt on. I don't have a plaid shirt on. I don't know anybody. I'm kind of walking through. It's uncomfortable. And I was like, you know, access to me is like, this feels inaccessible. Like I don't feel yeah. like I'm in the right place. I don't feel comfortable. I don't feel safe. I don't feel like I belong. I just don't see myself around here. Yeah. And then someone was like, Hey, no, that's not. That's just a Seattle freeze. Don't worry about that. That's that's not just you. Mm. Like in the, I was like, are we in the middle of a D.I. committee meeting? Um, do you hear yourself
1: speaking? <laughs> so, so we're not gonna, we're not listening to the marginalized persons. Okay. No, okay.
0: Can we can we listen to that CD again? What was it called? Now that's what I call it. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's uh, <laughs> dude, I will I would play that CD all the time. <laughs> I mean, I think they just don't consider all of the context, you know, and like it's the same thing with with climbing where I feel like people will throw out these incongruous statements to debunk racism. Like the outdoors can't be racist well, no shit. Like the outdoors is, a, is like a, a place. Yeah. Uh, like, yeah, you're right. Like technically, but the people in the outdoors or the people that like quote unquote control the outdoors can be, you know, like rock can't be racist, but like uh, it's just like that dismissal and, and like gross negligence of context. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's gosh, <laughs> that's, that's
0: just what racism, that's how it, Like, again, it's, it's pervasive Mm -hmm. and that immediate need to dismiss it and say, Oh, that's not really a thing. And it's like, so, so access is a, is, is a thing. Right. And it's not just, like you said, it's not physical. It's not the physical space, right? That rock is not racist to me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I know that (laughs) I'm not. Thanks for pointing that out. It's it's the fact that, that we surround it by, inaccessibility of our own community that we've built around it is what makes it hard. Right. I mean, I'm, gosh, if I, if I'm going and I I guess the example I want to say is like, I want to go out and enjoy rock climbing, right. I'm going to go with my friends. I'm going to go do this thing, this this route that I'm really excited about. Mm -hmm. It's over there. It's an hour away. Okay. It's tough to get there access wise. That's right. Okay. I, I have a car. Wonderful. I can go on the internet. I can find beta check. And as I'm driving out there, I'm driving through these fields and rural areas. And all I see is Trump signs here, Trump signs there, yeah. you know, that blue flag or that blue stripe American flag sign. Right. As I'm trying to drive out to this space and then I'm kind of looking at my car, like, am I safe? What if my yeah. car breaks down? Am I going to be all right? You know what I mean? Yeah. And so accessibility becomes something different. Right. And it's, and again, is that rock that I'm going to racist? No. But are all these things that I have to internalize getting to that space racist? Yes. Yeah. And does it make me feel safe? And do I feel like I, I can go just enjoy that space? No, absolutely yeah. not. And then That's, people that, that are so quick to dismiss it and say like, well, I'll take a different
1: route. Right. So, oh, red yeah. flag again, racist flag. Um. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's, it's just, again, that disregard for someone's experience and like, I've had a lot of close friends in the last like couple of years talk about climbing trips that we've taken to the South and realizing that like, you know, we joked about it in the moment, but just like really realizing the gravity of like, yeah, when we were in horse pens, if you were by yourself, you would not have come out of some of those Spots that, like the gas stations that we had to stop at, or that part of town that we were in for whatever reason. The challenge with climbing is that it's a cultural thing. So your natural demographics of your area is then going to influence the culture of your hunt. Even just the fact that national parks were basically designed as an oasis for white people.
2: Iraq's not going to care what color my skin is, right? But like that's not what we're talking about. That's not what makes up the outdoor industry.
3: There's no situation that I can really think of where someone's gonna go out of their way to do something discriminatory. It's just that element of trying to not necessarily have an active effort to say be non-racist.
2: But it's just that, like the disconnect from if it's not happening to me, then it must not be happening. We're like, well, I've never experienced racism climbing. Like, yeah, no shit, Chad, you're white. Like, I, I know you haven't experienced racism in climbing. Like that obviously would not happen for you.
3: Like in your statement, you said like, it's an oasis for white people. And I think like some people will hear that and instantly have an issue with what you're saying. But an oasis for white people. But it's like, it was like an understood thing.
1: Like that was the purpose of of parks. It was not to make some beautiful space for everyone. It was meant as like a getaway for white people.
3: Like it's an oasis, but you have to have a certain amount of income to be able to get there. So therefore. It is for white people.
1: One of the negatives, I think, of rock climbing is that the community is incredibly insulated from the outside world, where, like, you can go to a climbing space and completely be detached from the community around it. You know? I'm betting that most people that go climb at the Red do not go into town in a night out at Slade. You know what I mean? Yeah. But in that way... It's kind of a positive because for us, when you get to the climbing destination, I, and I'm speaking for myself, I usually feel fine. Like once I get to Horsepens 40 and I'm on like the in the boulder field, I feel fine. But it's that whole trip there. And I think what did it for me was um, I was listening to an outdoor panel like in June And there was a a woman, a Black woman that's a hunter, and she said something to the effect of, I never go hunting without a white person. I would never do it. And I realized that I had always gone climbing with white people, um, and I don't know if I would have felt comfortable if it was all Black people. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And that was really hard for me to process because I just never had to think about it that way because it's never been a problem. But, like, I've, to this day, I've only, I've never climbed with more than one black person at a time. Like, I can tell you on one hand how many times I've climbed with, with a black person at all. And I've never climbed in a group with even just all brown people, hell. Like, and so to think, like, what if it was, like, four or five black people and, and myself going to Alabama? I'd be like, and that's, like, sad, man yeah that really, is a understatement sad is, is definitely an understatement and can you imagine if
0: you're, you're carrying a couple packs with rope and you got your hood on because it's cold and, and yeah. all of a sudden you're walking down the street and you're kind of lost because you're trying to figure out where to go and you end up on someone's private property god oh my god uh, god like that's a horror story
1: My friends brought up a really interesting point that climbing gyms have a role in gentrification, in the sense that like there's a specific time when a climbing gym shows up in a gentrifying neighborhood. You know, I, I'm not a real estate person, so I couldn't really say when. But you know, climbing gyms need a they look for a lot of space. You know, that's really cheap, and then you know, once the once the thing's built you know, you're just collecting dues, you know, and then they pay the staff nothing. Um, and then they just, they keep squeezing that lemon, you know, keep squeezing the lemon and charge more for it. That's what happens. I just think it's so interesting that that's how, and, and that's why they always end up in these like boutique neighborhoods.
0: Yeah. I mean, one thing, I, especially about, I think in, and I'm just thinking about like my local Seattle area, there's a ton of gyms mm-hmm. here and somewhere in the city, somewhere in, well-gentrified neighborhoods, and and some are starting to pop up in less, I, I'd say, urban or more urban neighborhoods. <laughs> so, so here's the thing, like gentrification, right? We all know what's happening. Um, one thing I've been thinking about for climbing gyms geographically is, is you're absolutely right that you got to find space to buy that usually is going to look like an industrial space in a more urban <laughs> neighborhood mm-hmm. that... Um, it's probably surrounded by a marginalized community of some kind, yeah, geographically. And then you start building the coffee shops, and then the tap houses, and the restaurants, and all this and that. And you attract customers that can afford the hundred dollar dues, right? And they yeah. have the that outback to drive them to the gym. Yeah. And it's like, if you flip that, right? And you said from like a community organizer standpoint, you're actually putting in this space that has jobs and people and this really cool activity like we talked about of climbing into the middle of this neighborhood what if you actually used it to serve your neighborhood right you know what I mean instead of just trying to make money off of people that can drive in and pay those dues what if you actually worked with the community the marginalized community that you're, you're physically near yeah
2: the wealthy people continue to leech off of like economic hardships of others just because they can.
3: You can't just cater to the white middle class. Like you need to cater to the people around you as well. And I, I think opening up from the day one with that kind of a mindset will set you up for success.
1: It's it, it just it's kind of like surprising that climbing companies are like shocked about how white everything is. A
2: lot of white people who have been othered go to the climbing community because they're accepted. And so I feel like the community would accept people of color, but we don't know how to communicate that to them. Maybe like a sliding scale for memberships or, you know, discounted rates on certain like days during the month.
3: You get more people into the gym. Like, I got to think that that's going to, you know, help the gym's bottom line, anyways, by helping become like an enriched part of the community.
2: It doesn't have to be necessarily just people of color. Because There's poor white people, too.
1: I think that there's this weird assumption that making something more affordable means that, that like that's the way to get more black people to come in. But there's plenty of black people and brown people that have money, but just don't want to come in. And so the question as a business, one, do we do or do we not do something about that? And then two, you
3: know, to what degree is that beneficial to our business model?
0: Yeah. I mean, it's a good, it's a really good question. Like what, how much is equity
1: worth as a company? Exactly. That's what, and that's what you'd be paying for if you were losing money. Like, Oh, well, we're, we're not making as much money, but more people are able to access the sport. And I'm willing to bet that most climbing gym owners couldn't give a shit less about something like that. But that's why we're in the situation that we're in. Right. Feel free to prove me wrong, you know, right. but uh, but my guess is like y- you just don't care enough about the people who can't access your sport because if you did, you'd do something about it, even if it cost you money, you know, even if it cost then, you money.
0: So like, what would like what would the, what would like what what could we do as a community? Do we just cancel that gym? Nobody go to this gym anymore. Don't go to those coffee shops. Don't go to the tap rooms.
1: Yeah, we're, we're
0: going over here instead.
1: Like what? That
0: that wouldn't quite do it
1: either. Yeah, I was gonna say I I don't know when 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 I see stuff like that where people are like let's just not go to that gym it, it usually does not shut the gym down like the gyms usually survive we've seen that uh, a lot of gyms get me too this past year but they're still going that after all of that uh, that backlash and and I'm talking about like across the country there was several big gym uh, com- corporations that that had this outpouring of like they don't care about their, their staff or like they are, they're doing racist things or they're doing horribly mistreating their employees. Like that's all, that's all out there. And, and still nothing has drastically changed. These companies still are making money. There's enough people that are just like, eh, it's not a big deal. I just want to, I don't want to focus on that stuff when I'm climbing anyway, you know, I just yeah. want to climb. I'm just trying to promote the stoke, bro. You know, I'm just trying to stay still.
0: Yeah. (laughs) So I don't know. Do you have any ideas for how to keep accountability for the gyms?
1: Yeah. I mean, like, I think that, I think that the climbing community at large has to demand it, um, which is one of the reasons why I feel really passionate about doing this project is I want to show other climbers who feel this way, that they're not alone. Um, because I think that there's a, I don't remember what psychological effect it is, but I think that what's happening is that it's like when you're in a room and you think that you're the only person that thinks a certain way. So you just keep doing what the group does because you think you're an outlier when in reality, nobody thinks that what is happening is right, but they just keep doing it because they think everybody else thinks that way. I, I wonder, my hypothesis is that there's more people in climbing who feel like this that are tired of the way climbing is they're tired of every real rock being another shirtless white guy climbing the harder version of what was climbed at last year's real rock, you know, like they're, they're tired of being the only whatever, when they come into a climbing gym, whatever marginalized group. Um, And, and, but everyone thinks that they're the only person. And, And I've found that a lot of my friends have stopped climbing because they feel like they're, They're outliers or that they don't fit in with the community because the community is this, they think of the community as this privileged, elitist, ignorant, complacent thing. And I don't think it's that. I think there's more people that think the other way, like that want it to change and want to do better, but they just don't feel, they feel alone. And so I want to try to make people feel less alone. I could be wrong. Maybe the whole climbing community is fine with the way things are. Um, I I don't know, man. Like maybe, maybe like climbers of color and like all the friends I have are the only people that think this way, and we're just gonna be like totally rejected. But maybe, but that would be fine too. You know, like I would rather know. I'd rather climbing show up as it is and stop pretending like it wants to be this everyman sport. I feel like climbers climbing is doing this like tucker carlson bit where like it's pretending to be fighting for the every man and that it's like down in the trenches with you but in reality it's like this country club you know yeah
0: yeah <laughs> if it,
1: if no one takes on then we'll just, we'll just go make mixtapes that's what I'm saying like I'll just make parodies I'll still talk shit about climbing <laughs> I'll still do it <laughs> I just maybe won't be a rock climber in the in the pure sense but the the funny thing is like I think I'll always be a rock climber just because it did change my life and it means a lot to me but I think it, you know I think that what it means to be a climber for me is change uh, it, it's not just about climbing rocks it's about the way I look at the world The way that I try to improve the world is through rock climbing. That's what makes me a climber, not the fact that I climb. You can't just create equality overnight. There's going to have to be some things that move fast and some things that move slow, but you
3: just need some representation to work towards an end goal where people are equal. (laughs) You know the
1: whole point of this whole thing.
2: Why are all of the gyms calling up the 12 famous black climbers and asking them to do things? Why aren't they using their internal people? Oh wait, they don't have internal representation.
0: And when you look up towards the upper leadership, they're all white also.
2: I think that people in positions of power and make the right decisions because they get terrified of losing their power. You don't get rewards fast. Like your reward is seeing the people around you more comfortable and happy and seeing how the environment changes. Like you're doing it for the better.
1: Snowflake Rock, where our routes are marked with tape because we don't see color. Our climbing gym is located next to a brewery that's next to a brewery that's next to a tap house. That's also a brewery. But if you don't want to walk the 25 feet to get your brew, we're also a craft distillery. We remember just a few more things that might make your climbing journey a little bit smoother. This includes a rope bag, uncensored rap music, belay glasses, generational wealth, internalized misogyny, and a toothbrush. It's a good thing you have regular access to transportation because our gym was built in an industrial park that's slowly being gentrified into an upscale brownstone neighborhood, so no public transit comes out here. But that's no problem for you. Take your Subaru down from the condos as you pass by the moving trucks of the evicted locals, making way for your Starbucks. Snowflake Rock, proving time and time again that rock climbing is the great equalizer.